Real Talk with Grace Redman features conversations with fierce and fabulous people from Grace's community and circle who inspire others with their stories of overcoming challenges to create amazing. Grace is an entrepreneur and success coach who works with individuals to diminish their negative mental chatter, boost their confidence, achieve their goals, and increase their prosperity mindset. Get ready for a series of Anything Goes Conversations with remarkable men and women that will get you jazzed for life's unlimited possibilities of success, freedom, and fun. Welcome to Real Talk with Grace Redman. Welcome, everyone. It's Grace Redman, and I'm super excited to be live streaming this episode of Real Talk with Dr. Lisa Thompson. Hi! <laughs> So I'm super excited to introduce Dr. Thompson to you guys. She is one of my favorite people. Um, Dr. Lisa Thompson is an intuitive transformational coach who empowers women to intentionally design their best life by living from their yes. So they can embrace self-love, trust their intuition, and gracefully move forward through their fears to take inspired action to live a life they love. She is the best-selling author of Sacred Soul Love and Sacred Soul Spaces. She leads destination retreats and teaches online courses. Her services also include human design chart readings and past life regression therapy, which I love all of that. So I'm so excited for you to be here today. I am so happy to be here with you. Grace. You're also one of my favorite people. Oh, thank you. Thank you. There, there's there's so many amazing things that you do. So I'm not going to overwhelm you. I'm kind of going to just <laughs> shoot it out there because um, again, there's so many different, we could have two episodes with you. So I'll make sure to, to be gentle. <laughs> well, as I told you before we got on, I'm an open book. So we'll see where this goes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's what I love. Just kind of real flowing conversation. And one thing that I loved was um, your book, Sacred Soul Love. And I struggled with relationships, you know, most of my life. And so reading your book really helped me realize that I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was looking for love outside of myself in every way. Yeah, my world, <laughs> my world exactly. Up until I was like, okay, what what's wrong here? I'm the common denominator in all of these relationships. <laughs> And so um, once I realized that, then I'm like, oh, okay, it's not their fault. I mean, it, you know, there are some issues that the two exes for, for sure. But I'm the one that attracted them into my life. You know, I know you're all about law of attraction. And it's like, what, what, what's going on here to be able to attract these kinds of unhealthy, toxic Oh, I lost you. I lost you a little bit. You said, uh, yeah, I'm definitely all about the law of attraction. And I, I, I yes, I, as hard as it, as it is to say, I do believe we attract certain relationships and situations into our life for sure. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, um, I, once I started looking deep into myself, I realized like how um, injured I actually was in, in my emotions and my patterns and but that's what kept attracting the toxic relationships. And so what I had to do is really dig deep, get real with myself. This is real talk, but I had to get real with myself and be like, okay, what, what's going on here and how can I change that pattern? How can I rewire my brain? Find my worthiness, find my self-love. Which is not, e number one, it's not easy to do. I mean, it definitely can be done. I, I, I've done it. And it's, it's when I talk to people about this, like, okay, you have to dig deep. They're not really sure what that means. Like, so for you, what did dig deep mean? Like, what was the first step that you took? So I, well, I've been on this um, kind of journey of being, knowing myself, I think my whole life, just because of the family, my mother that I was born to and the stuff that we did, but it really started, I think, when I was 18 or 19, where I started going to um, self-help kind of seminars, workshops, and having to look at like, oh, I'm, pu I'm putting the blame on everyone, but it's not their fault. You know, I have to take some of that blame myself. And so it started there, but really it was when I left, when I was 
leaving my second husband, that's when I started doing the real work. And so where I started looking at was patterns of my family relationships, mm-hmm. first and foremost, because what I realized was, wow, I came in like feeling abandoned and unlovable. And my parents, they were on the verge of divorce when they um, got pregnant with me and they tried to work it out for a couple of years, but they ended up divorcing it um, when I was two years old. And then my mother moved me away from my dad to a different state to get support from her sister. And so then I only saw my dad twice a year and then, and he wasn't very communicative. So then I felt abandoned by my dad. So I had daddy issues. Mm -hmm. Well, I got some daddy issues too. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, um, you know, my mother was a single mom trying to build a career, you know, trying to support the family and trying to also have other like love relationships. And so I being an only child and her life focused on that. I mean, she did the best she could, but I did not receive the love from her that I needed or wanted. And now that I know all about the love languages, what I realize is her way of giving love is not the way that I receive love. Mm. So she's, she gives gifts. And too. Okay. It's funny you talk about the five love languages because I went to find your book on the bookshelf um, and it wasn't there. I probably left it at home, but my eye landed on the five love languages. And sometimes we forget, you know, if if my language is words of affirmation, physical love, but then my, my mom or physical touch, but my mom just gives me gifts. She's loving me in her way, but I'm not receiving it because I have a different love language. And then I feel unloved and unwanted. And that trickles down into my relationships outside of my home. Yeah, exactly. So my mother, she, hers is gifts and she still does that. And I know that that's her language now. Mm -hmm. So I can receive it differently, but that's my least of all the languages. That's my least of receiving. Me too. Me too. like quality time, which I didn't get at all, and um, acts of service mm-hmm. are mine. I mean, I the others are great, you know, physical touch and the affirmations. But um, so I wasn't feeling like I loved at all, and I felt like I had to prove myself. You know, I'm an overachiever. I had to be perfect to feel like I would get noticed and be worthy to my parents. I think that's where you and I are very similar. Like I was an overachiever because if I overachieved, then I would get noticed. And it was just, yeah, my worth was tied to how much I could do because then when I did, like you said, um, we would get noticed. And yeah. as children, we want to be loved and we're feeling unloved. So we'll do anything we can to get attention. And that bleeds into our adult life. Yes, for sure. And so I had this you know, empty void that I was trying to fill with first it was friends. So I would spend like any amount of time I could outside of my house, like at friends homes, my best friend, Rachel, I was, I lived at her house practically. And she was an only child of a single mom as well. So we actually, it's, we had a sisterhood in in a sense. And then, then it started being, you know, love relationships or you know whatever that might look like when you're in middle school and high school Mm -hmm. but because i was so used to not feeling loved or feeling abandoned i would i would choose unknowingly these guys that were the bad guys you know they just um i thought they were more interesting even though there were plenty of like loving, intelligent, um, very sweet guys that would have dated me. I thought they were too boring. <laughs> so I needed that drama in my life. That well, that's twofold. Like the drama and, and the other piece, like I always dated the bad boys because I didn't feel like I deserved anything better. Exactly. Like I had no self-worth. So yeah. I would just take, like I would just take anything. Yep, exactly. And so I had one after another, like serial relationships. I never had a break where I was just by myself. Mm-hmm. And that continued through um, college and grad school. And, to, and then I married my first husband. Um, and then when I was divorcing him, I met my second husband. 
So there was like no break. Mm -hmm. Well, because, and then correct me if I'm wrong, I guess for me growing up, because I always, and my dad, of course my dad loved me, but he had a different way of showing it. And I always felt that boys were more important than the girl, you know, so I didn't feel loved. So that led me on a path to continuously um, want love from a male figure because I felt like I wasn't good enough. And that was, that's where the daddy issue came. Granted, my dad did, of course he loved me, but my child brain didn't absorb that. Yes, exactly. So, and I, yeah, I needed that love from the male figure and I often dated older guys, um, which I didn't, I mean, I was more mature anyway, but I, you know, that might've, it wasn't like way older, like dad age kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like four or five years older. Okay. And then, and then when I was an adult, then it was like seven to 10 years older. And, um, but also like I, especially in grad school, I was having these relationships here. I'm like, you know, I'm age 23 to 28 in grad school and I'm having these relationships, most of which are long distance, which mm. naturally is going to feed into my feeling of abandonment. Totally. And, not having that connection mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. actually wanted. And so. So it, it just goes, goes back, back to our limiting beliefs. Totally. And then that's where the limiting beliefs come in. If I believe that I'm not worthy to receive, then I'm going to be in situations and relationships where they're not available. So someone being far away or someone not having time. So basically my belief is coming true because that's what I believe. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, you know, and not, none of my, my college and grad school boyfriends were like really abusive per se, although there's one that I can look back and it was totally emotionally abusive and I didn't realize it because then once I got into that first marriage, he, I mean, off the charts, emotionally and verbally abusive for the five years, and then a physical a couple times. Mm. And I, I woke up, I'm like, how did I get here? Like, what, what is going on? I used to judge women like me of being in that situation. And then I'm like, oh, I'm here. So it doesn't matter, you know, what your intelligence level, your socioeconomic status, you know, mm -hmm. like that. It's just, for me, I'm just like, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm, I'm in this situation and I don't know how to get out of it. And then I stayed in it because I didn't know how to get out of it. And I felt like that's what I deserved. I had created that and I didn't, I didn't know that I was worth more. And he would feed into that saying, you know, no one else is going to love you. The control. That's how they control and manipulate us. Yeah. And because there, and that happened to me too, um, and, and with the boys, the men I dated, and then I would feel think that they were right that I wasn't good enough, and then you'd think, you know, to stay, and then the codependency came in where I would feel like if I wasn't with them, which they were horribly abusive, then I couldn't. I mean, this is um, extreme. Not that I couldn't live, but just you felt that co that codependency was real. Yes, it was very real. And then with him, though, we had a business together which made it even harder because then, you know, I had left my academic career. I was a professor. I left that academic career um, because I, you know, I had completed that journey. And then we started a business together very early in our relationship and my family had invested money. I had friends that invested money. And so then I felt obligated. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I have to stay here because it's their money and I'm protecting their money, even though I was the one that was suffering. And so for five years, I suffered in this for everyone else. And it wasn't until I had my daughter and, um, you know, I, I just remember I had her, I'm crying, like she's in my arms. I'm just like, what do I do? What do I do? And, you know, he, it was, it got really bad after she was born, I thought it, he would get better. And I know a lot of women think, oh, it's gonna get better when the baby comes. Right, and and I've, have you heard this before? Um, women get married hoping that he'll change and the men get married hoping she won't change? Yeah, <laughs> I have, have, I have heard that. And so, so not only do I have a business with this man, now I have a baby with him. And 
I just, it got to one point where I was getting so unhealthy. I could feel my body. Like mm. I, I knew that if I stayed in this, that I would create an illness that I would probably die or he would kill me. And that was my, my mother and my aunt's biggest concern with him. Uh, my aunt had volunteered for safe place for years. And when I was six months pregnant, she came to me and she's like, Lisa, I am so scared for you. I think I, I fear that he's going to kill you one day. That's and very scary. I'm like, okay, I'm six months pregnant. <laughs> like, what, what am I supposed to do with that information? I don't know what to do, how to get out of it. And so, so again, I just felt so stuck being there. And then um, he, I set a boundary and he, he, he was a big drinker and he would get so angry when he would drink. And so I set a boundary, like, you can't do that anymore. And he, it lasted maybe two or three months and then he crossed the line again. And so fortunately by then I, I had, um, my dad and our business manager supporting me of like, I called them. I'm like, I can't do it. I have to get him out of my life. And my daughter was only seven months old. Mm -hmm. and, um, so that was, a, that was like one of the hardest things, but I did have that support. Like I reached out, I asked for help finally, mm -hmm. and I wasn't good about asking for help. I've never been good at asking for help. It's funny you say that because I was talking to a client yesterday and we, we got on the subject about asking for help. And again, it goes back down to not feeling, you know, deserving of receiving. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like all of all of these um, challenges come back down to the core root of us not feeling good enough. Yes. It and really, healing that worth part of really. us. Exactly. And so so I kicked him out of the house. And then um, we had to divorce the business and each other. So that was a very long, expensive process. And my biggest fear of leaving him was that the business would fail, would crash. We'd have to close it. Everyone would lose their money. And that fear did come true. So mm -hmm. I had to work on that of like not putting all the blame on myself. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I carried that for a long time. For sure. And... I ended up like having to start from ground zero. So I had um, the divorce cost me over a hundred thousand dollars just on my side of things. I we had two homes, you know. Now I have no business, so I had to file bankruptcy, which I thought I would never do. And I just had to start my life like brand new again, fresh start. And I've got this baby, and. So even though it was really scary and I had no clue where it would end up, I just had to take one step at a time and really use the support system that I was finally um, getting and mm -hmm. asking for mm -hmm. and really relying on them to help me through that. Now, in so scary to leave that. I can't, I can't even imagine. And in those moments, like where you felt that fear and so, you know, so scared, it's like, and also they say everything comes undone to come back together. But when you're in that place, when it's undone, I can imagine it's, it's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 what would get you through? Cause I mean, that's, that's, that's a dark night of the soul. What would get you through? What got you through? Well, so actually um, I, I ended up, um, the judge recommended that I go to Al-Anon mm. and, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to go to one of those, but I went and it was fine. It was in the Al-Anon group that I'm like, oh, okay. I had, I didn't understand what a people pleaser codependent was mm -hmm. really until I got there. And then I'm like, oh. Okay. It's funny you mentioned Al-Anon because that's where when you know same thing in my early teens or you know, and um, my therapist recommended Al-Anon and I went I'm like oh my gosh I didn't realize that I you know I'm enabling this and I'm a people pleaser and I'm I'm pretty fucked up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, and there's hope. There's hope. And but that's also where I first learned how to be vulnerable because, hmm. um. Even like if uh, my vulnerability with my first husband was used against me mm. uh, in 
the marriage, in the divorce. And so it was scary to like expose myself as to this is who I am and what's going on. And so, but in that, in that group, I was able to start opening up, sharing my stories, you know, truly being vulnerable and, and authentic, not having to prove myself to, mm-hmm. to get worthiness. And um, so that, so that's actually where, where I got the most support in those early days. Mm-hmm. And some of those people became like family to me. Um, and that's where I met husband number two. Because he was, he was, he had divorced his wife who had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. And so I, so we had that kind of camaraderie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I wasn't healed. And so it was just nice to have that security, that safety, that mm-hmm. he wasn't my person, mm-hmm. but I was with him for eight years. Yeah. And, and I've also learned like wherever we are in our life at that time, we're going to attract the mirror of us, the reflection of us. So it, it made sense. And I'm assuming because I've, you know, have, you know, been been there. It felt good that, OK, we have this thing in common. So it made it feel like um, a connection. Right. It, it definitely it was a connection. It, w- it was safe. And um, but what's interesting is that he portrayed himself as someone who he thought I needed or wanted him to be spiritually. But then when we actually got into the relationship and then I got pregnant, then he showed his true colors. And then I'm like, oh God, here we are again. And he wasn't abusive in the same way. He was just very controlling Mm -hmm. and he didn't respect me and my belief system. He wanted to change me. So. And you're like, nope. I'm like, nope, right. (laughs) I am who I am. And so we, um, in our eight years together, we spent two and a half years in therapy. And, you know, all the therapy in the world with that relationship was not going to make it work. And the beautiful part of all of this is you, you know, turned within and kind of, you know, you talked about um, kind of when we connected, having all the insight answers within us. Yes. yes. So you turned within got out of the, you know, that second um, marriage. Yep. And I was working with a coach, which I needed. Like I, I, I'm fine on my own, but I do way better with a coach and accountability partner, a mastermind group. Me too. Always. Me too. So I was working with my coach at the time and he was keeping me on track of like, okay, now let's, let's work on this part of you. Let's work on this part of you. And he was really guiding me in that healing process. And he was making sure also that I wasn't dating people before it was time to date people Mm -hmm. because my natural tendency is like, okay, yeah, I I need to be with someone, but I really need to be alone for a while and to fall in love with myself Mm -hmm. and to date myself. So that's what I did. Yes. And, and I love that, you know, although I've been married for 23 years, there has been times in my marriage that I was dating myself because same thing, I was looking for, you know, all of these things outside of me and wanting, you know, Mike to complete me, but he can't complete me. No man can complete me. I complete myself. And so when I started to go within and just started to love myself and date myself, I realized I've been doing this all wrong. I created, again, everyone has to take accountability. So I started to take accountability for myself. And I realized like I created this based on my fears, my insecurities, my beliefs. Yep. And I had to let, you know, I had to step away from all my relationships, not just my romantic relationship, but you know, outside and then work on the relationship with myself because I feel like people um, people treat us based on the relationship we have with ourselves. Exactly, because you know, if we are loving ourselves, we're, we're holding ourselves to um, a standard of our highest and greatest good, setting boundaries and feeling worthy enough to keep those boundaries, then people, then they will respect that. Yes, yes. And so I love, because I read your book, how you know you met this attractive man 
that you really liked and he seemed to also like you and you held your boundary. Yes. <laughs> Which is awesome because, you know, most of the time we're just like, oh my God, this is great. I'm going to go for it. And our emotions lead us mm -hmm. and our emotions can be fickle. So yeah. tell us, about, you know, that setting the boundary and saying, you know, choosing yourself before you said yes. Well, so um, you're referring to my husband, now Skip. <laughs> and we met and I mean, he was still going through his divorce when we met. Now he, they had been separated a lot longer than I had been separated from number two. Um, but they hadn't finished the process yet. And he was still grieving. They had been together for close to 25 years. It's a long and time. He's heart, he was heartbroken, you know, because it came out of the blues, you know, so to speak. I mean, there are probably always signs there that always. You pay attention to. Always. Um, but so he was, he was thinking when we first met, you know, I'm never going to date anyone again. I'm just going to go live in a cave and basically have a dog and just be in my cave. <laughs> be safe. Yeah, right. Because he was so afraid to get his heart broken. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, for a good seven months, we had this friendship where he was, you know, it was developing, we're friends, we're talking every day, we're talk texting, we're, we're going out and doing things like we're dating, but there wasn't that physical connection yet. And because number one, he was like, I'm not ready to date. And I, and I'm, he's like, but I'll be your fuck buddy. I'm like, no. Good for you. <laughs> I'm like, I've already had that in my life. No, I want a real relationship, like give and take love. And so again, it took, it took seven months for him to finally, you know, do enough processing, working on himself to be, um, be able to want to date. And then I was his person. I mean, I knew that right away. And he was well, like, you're intuitive, <laughs> right? You know, but my coach also, like, normally I wouldn't have that patience to allow someone to process and go through what they needed to go through. And so even like one, one night, um, he was like, I, maybe I just need to date other people first. And I'm like, okay, if that is actually what you need, then I will be your wingman. I will help you find someone to date. <laughs> that, would, that would totally be me, something I'd say. And so we went to the bar and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be your wingman. Well... So he, even though he said that, that's actually the first night that he kissed me. And I'm like, that's not going to work if you want to date someone else. <laughs> anyway, just, yeah. But I had, so I had to be strong enough in myself to know what I wanted, what was important enough to me. But also I was still working with my coach and yeah. he helped um, keep me focused of like, okay, whether it's him or not, just still be loving yourself. Yes. That's the process. But he would also have me go five and 10 years in the future and, you know, see, is he still there? Even if he's being really slow, because I'm an impatient person. I want something now. I hear you, sister. And so, but when I would go to the future, he was still there mm -hmm. and things were awesome. And so I was like, okay, I just, let me just, sit back and enjoy myself and mm -hmm. wait for this to happen. And I did. And, you know, three years after we started dating and we got married, he didn't think he would ever marry again. Mm -hmm. And then he changed his mind. And now all, we moved all, to Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii. All <laughs> in the same time. And you know me, I love the fabulous, you know, like creating the fab. And you, girl, you have created the fabulous life. Because like sometime last year during COVID, you told us we're moving to Hawaii. I was like, whoa, who does that? I so it's know. cool. About, like you picked up, you just made a decision um, and decided to move to Hawaii. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were stuck in, you know, quarantine. We're in lockdown in Washington State. Mm. And my, we're sitting around at the dinner table and my daughter, I think it was at this point, it was maybe April or early May. And we had, you know, lockdown started in March. And so my daughter was like, I want to move to California. I want to move to Malibu. Like, Not right now. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't want to move to California. 
um, but I'd moved to Hawaii. <laughs> and Skip is like, I'd moved to Hawaii. And so that's what planted the seed. And then it, what became, okay, maybe in a couple of years, then got sped up really fast to, mm -hmm. okay, within the year, like mm -hmm. whole year. Mm -hmm. And then it sped up to, by the end of the year, we were on the airplane. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was amazing to witness. It was like so inspiring and amazing to witness because you had this, this desire and it just unfolded, you know, so beautifully. And also, while you're in Washington, you've had this um, amazing um, real estate staging business. And you're freezing or breaking up, Grace. Okay. Lisa, are you there? And I'm here. Are you there? You were freezing mm, on me. I lost her. Oh, there you go. Okay. So what I was talking about is you have this amazing um, real estate staging business, award-winning, because you've won many awards. And at some point, you decided to move into a career, a career as a spiritual teacher. Yeah. So what inspired <laughs> you to do that? Yeah, that's so... Um, well, my, so my original career is I have a PhD in biology and I was a biology professor. Yeah. So I told you two episodes for you. <laughs> yeah. And, but I got the degree, I got the tenure track job and it was like, okay, great. Um, and then it was like, no, I need to do something else. So then I met husband number one, got into the mortgage industry for five years um, that I never, it was never my passion, but I was really good at it, mm -hmm. and, but it wasn't my passion. And so then when I, husband number two, I had the opportunity when I was pregnant to start thinking about like, what do I want to do next? And so when my son was six months old, that's when I started this home staging design company. And I thought, okay, great. You know, I'm, I've been a scientist. Now I'm following my art passion. Even though I'd been spiritual my whole life, I never, ever would have thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now. Um, ever. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> amazing. you're amazing at it. You read my human design chart, which I'll be sharing next week. And I was like, how do you know those things about me, Lisa? <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about what, like, what is human? I didn't even know what human design is. Well, so um, let me just finish the story real fast, if I can, of like how sure. I got into the spiritual teaching. Because so my mother, I grew up in a spiritual household, and so I've been exposed to all different modalities. And there was a lady in my town that would do scientific hand analyses, and mm -hmm. um, similar to palm reading. And so I had her do my hand analysis, as well as my children, because she was like, you know, it's really cool to look at your children too. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. Um, so what happened was that the soul path journey that me and both of my kids have is the same thing, which is, and it's, it's pretty common for at least one of the kids to have a similar soul path as one of the parents, but for both of them to have the same one and ours is very rare, like less than mm -hmm. 10 of the world wow. and it was be some sort of spiritual teacher and uh, we have slight variances in what that means but I when she said that that I was meant to be a spiritual teacher um my I had chills head to toe and I'm like I don't even know what that would look like I have no clue what I would do what I would teach and so I just had to sit with it and wait, because at the around the same time, I also um, met my human design coach, Kathy. And so she had done my chart. And I knew that one of the things, my strategies is I have to wait to respond. And that's you. Yep. So I, rather than forcing, like, okay, what does this look like being a spiritual teacher? I had to just trust that something would come my way that would resonate with me, that I would get a yes to then move that direction. And it actually took two years after the hand analysis for that thing to come. And I was at a Celebrate Your Life event, the International Women's Summit, and I was in a breakout session with Denise Lynn. Love her. I do too. 
one of the world's foremost passive regression experts, and she regressed us as an audience. I was there. So profound. Like I was in tears. I had the, the visions that I had in this regression. I was like, okay, I think this is, this is, well, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do next. And so I went up, went up and met her at the end of the um, conference. And I was like, I feel like I need to be one of your students. Do you ever take students on? And she was like, sometimes I do. And that's all she said. But I got on her email list and it, it was like two days later, I get an email in my inbox mm. saying that she had one more spot available for her advanced past life regression training at her home a month from that time. Mm. And I got my yes. It was scary though, because I'm like, I don't know, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go to California a week for a week, leave my business, leave my kids? But then Skip, he was like, you're going to go. I can handle the kids. Mm. No worries. <laughs> That's and an amazing, I love that story. That's what started the ball rolling. And then it just kind of evolved from there of then of working with my coach with human design. I, she then offered this opportunity to train with her to learn how to do it for people. And so I got the yes for that. So then I started diving deep into learning it. And so I've been learning it over the last three to four years, like hardcore Mm -hmm. for myself and for doing it with clients. I mean, it's fascinating because you did my chart last week. And like I mentioned, I'll definitely, I'm going to be sharing that um, video, but you hit, it was on point. And all I gave you was my birth date. I think it was just my birth date, right? Your birth date, time and location. Yeah. So like for astrology. And, yeah. you know, I know you had, gone through some of it with me before but then when we got on the live and you started going through it point by point i was like whoa it's it's fairly it's 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 really accurate it is it is um i haven't out of all the clients i've had now um i haven't had anyone be like nope that doesn't fit me at all mm -hmm. and i all and you also so the human design and the past life regression are two separate modalities are Obviously, would you recommend doing the human design first and then maybe the past life regression um, I as a combination? It depends on what someone is wanting to work on. So okay. human design, um, one, one of my favorite aspects of human design is that it gives you information as to how you get to your inner wisdom. And, and so that's something that I've had to learn over the years is trusting that inner wisdom that's coming to me because I would get it like my whole life I would get it, but then I would overwrite it with my logical mind. Yep. And that's actually what kept me in those two marriages well past expiration date. It's kept me in careers. It's just kept me in situations because I would override and analyze and be like, I would talk myself out of what I actually know to be true. For sure. And, and it's, 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 it's in here, you know, and how do we, how do we know it's a yes, as opposed to, um, you know, how sometimes like, we're not sure, is it our heart or our intuition, our mind or our intuition leading? How do you know when it's a yes? Is it, does it feel different? Well, so different people get to their yes in different ways. So you and I, well, you're, you're emotional, right? You're emotional authority. Yeah. Yes. So, your yes comes differently than my yes. Got it. Mine is a true gut feeling. Like in that instant, if I have enough information, I will know immediately yes or no from my gut. And mm -hmm. if I start, um, if I hesitate at any moment in that answer, I've already moved up to my head. Where yours emotional, like you are supposed to go through this emotional wave just a little bit of up and down and that'll settle down and you'll come to a neutral place where then you have clarity. But for emotional people, it's clarity over time. And so you just have to keep checking in with yourself. Is it still, how do I feel? How do I feel? How do I feel? And if it's continually a yes, then that's something that you can trust. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, then, and so that, that having your human design chart read and uncovering, you know, these things about you, I think is really, I know for me, it's helpful, has been helpful because now I know it's not going to come 
right away. And now I also know how to, what it feels like. My yes, now I feel it here. Whereas before, it, like for me to know it's a clear yes, I feel it here instead of here. Yeah. Well, and that's very important. None, none of the inner authorities in human design ha have it come from here. It's always from this, from it, kind of the soul. Somewhat, yeah, it is the soul and, or different, you know, different parts of the body. My friend, Stephanie, hers, she has to speak and she'll just talk, 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 talk. And as she's talking, her answer will come forward in her words. Mm, that's so beautiful space to just talk <laughs> and i think you just use the right word like uh, the best word to even describe you know so much of this is giving ourselves space yes you know holding space for ourselves and recognizing that this doesn't happen overnight it takes time and step by step and it's a process yeah absolutely and and it is a like being very gentle with yourself because we've been so conditioned our entire lives as to how we're supposed to come up with our answers mm -hmm. and society, our friends, our family, they've conditioned us. And we're such an immediate, like we have to know the answer now kind of society and world. Instinct communication. Yeah. And, but the majority of people need some time to process. And so we need to start changing the way society operates at that level of making decisions. I, I agree and asking for our needs. So, so for me, that's the biggest thing. Um, the most practical tool that human design has given to me is knowing how to trust that yes, when it comes up. And that's how I've been able to know, okay, yes, the spiritual teacher, yes, to the past life, yes, to the human design, yes, mm -hmm. to, to Hawaii, yes, mm -hmm. to Skip is my person. Mm -hmm. and where yeah. Past life regression, that's a whole different thing because there are so many different things that you can do with past life regression therapy. My, um, one of the most powerful things that you can do is actually heal blockages and limitations. Mm. Because what happens is when you go to that subconscious level, you're deep into that, you're actually at the quantum level mm -hmm. and you can make changes at that quantum level so you, you know, if you're seeing something that comes up as a block, you can change that. You can change the story. You can change the meaning when you're in that deep level mm -hmm. so that when you come out of the regression, it actually starts to rewire your brain and completely yes. change your life. So I had a girlfriend who would always call me and tell me about, oh, I went to this past life regression, you know, therapist. And I was like, yeah, okay, you're not like in my mind, I'm like, you're nuts. This, you know, I didn't believe it. I was like, you're nuts. And I, I didn't tell her that until later. And um, because that wasn't just something I was um, conditioned to believe. Mm -hmm. So then I go to the same CYL event that you were at. And I was fascinated with the subject. And I went to Denise Lynn's um, uh, a, a workshop that day. And because I was a certified hypnotist, I knew what she was doing in the room, you know, in the room in that in that moment. And I allowed myself and I was struggling with something at that point. But in that room, in that moment, I had the most profound experience. I had a past life experience and it helped me help me gain clarity to a challenge I was having. And it all made sense to me. And then I was like, oh, my God, she's she's not crazy. I was the one that's crazy for not being open. I called her. And then I started looking up past life regression and then Brian Weiss's name came up. And ironically, uh, I don't know how long ago, before that someone had given me his book and I was like, yeah, whatever. And I left it on my nightstand. So all of those things then lined up for me and I was ready to receive the information that this is that past life regression to me, like is, is, is a real thing. Yeah, it is. And it works even if you don't believe in past lives. Um, it's sure. Really all it is, is we're getting into your subconscious mind and where you've made up stories mm -hmm. and where you're stuck in your patterns. Shift, shifting those stories. Yeah, that's really what it is. And though in quantum mechanics, all timelines exist simultaneously. There is no past, there is no future. So it's really, we call it the past because mm -hmm. we, in our linear right now, 3D human work experience, it looks like the past 
but it's actually just a different multi-dimensional universe. I call that the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Get me out of the matrix. So, I mean, it's all, it's all fascinating. And a lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of these um, things are, are new to me, but I've been so open to it and I've been able to make some amazing life transformations, change stories, change patterns. I've been applying it with my clients, you know, just like you've had an amazing life transformation. Oh, I saw Judy. Judy's here. She's the only one I could see. Hey, Judy. So, I mean, I think it's amazing. And like you said earlier, you, you've worked with a coach. Um, you, the, I, I believe in the human design, the past life regression. So if some, whoever, someone's watching, listening right now, where can they reach you if they're interested in human design or past life regression to help them overcome whatever blocks they may be experiencing? So I have um, two different URLs. So depending on which one is easier for you all to remember, um, the, probably the easiest one to remember is um, mysticmanta.com. Um, manta, like as in manta ray. <laughs> so mysticmanta.com. And then, or you can also reach me at drlisajthompson.com. Mm -hmm. oh, also, I'm going to have that information in the link. Um, and I wanted to show my beautiful jewelry because Lisa also makes like this really incredible, um, fun jewelry as well. Like, is there anything you don't do? I don't know. Because <laughs> I've got Oracle cards, I've got jewelry, yeah. I've got books. Yeah, I, I think all of Lisa's work too. I do too. So, I'm, so, I'm a creator. Yes, you're an incredible creator. And I love your, if you lived, you know, here in California close to me, I would have you help me redecorate my house because you, your color schemes, your design, you just are so creative, so creative. And you do create beautiful, beautiful work. So um, tell us something about us that we might not already know. Oh, tell me some me tell me something about you I might not already know. I yeah, what do you not know about me? I know, I, I know a lot. You do know a lot. But, but there is something that I'd love for you to share with us because you've moved to the island of Kona and you um, are a scientist and you know so much about the um the sea and the ocean, which I find fascinating. So I know that you're hosting a retreat. Tell us a little bit about the retreat. I would love to. So yeah, so I live on the big island of Hawaii on the Kona side. So people do say Kona Island. It's not Kona Island. It's Hawaii Island, but Kona side, um, which is the dry, Got it. Um, yeah, the dry side, as opposed to the Hilo side, which is the wet, rainy side. We had to leave the rain <laughs> in Washington. Seattle, right? Yeah. And um, okay, so in October, I am hosting a six day eco spiritual adventure. And what that's going to look like, I'm limiting it to six women because I want it to be a truly intimate experience. And there's going to be like personal one on one coaching, a past life regression, human designs. We're going to be revealing and healing the blockages. We're going to be tapping into that inner wisdom, the inner authority accessing the power of the goddesses goddess pele is the most famous one she lives here but she's got sisters um namaka laka and um hamea that we're going to work with their energies as well we have the amazing spirit animals here the dolphins mm. the sea turtles the manta rays and if we're lucky then the humpback whales will be back here too and um, so we're going to work with the animal energy and get to experience them in their environment. Mm. And then, um, something that I've added on recently is, so the Hawaiians believe that they came from the Pleiades. Those are their ancestors. And um, that Pleiadian, Lemurian connection here on this island mm. is extremely strong. And so we're going to bring some of that galactic connection energy into the retreat as well. Oh my God, that's going to be amazing. I'm, you know, and it, that's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's okay because, again, I'm limiting this to six women. Yeah. And, that's um, amazing. Yeah, I am so excited about the retreat. And Hawaii is magical. Hawaii yeah. and the there is so magical. 
And some people, you know, they just even, there are so many vortexes on the islands. So we're going to experience those. And some of them, like people get healing. Some of them, some people get healing just being in the water. Mm -hmm. Well, water itself is so healing. Yeah. So there's yeah. just, there's this energy here, especially mm -hmm. this island has an energy mm -hmm. being that it's still an active volcano. Like there's intense stuff here mm -hmm. that will expose. On that, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all about energy. It is. It all is. about energy. And us just, you know, being one and being connected, connected to the greater power, connected to each other. Oh, I just got the chills. So you should come to Kona. Yeah, for sure. I know I won't be able to make it this October because we have a wedding, but I definitely would love to come to Kona. They're amazing. The pictures that you've shown are amazing. It's so fun having you today. Oh, you're seeing you again. Grace. I lost you. I know. Oh, are you there? I'm here. Do you see me? All right. All right. Yeah, I'm going to just take a minute to check the comments before. And to see um, Judy was with us, Nancy was with us. All right, and we'll definitely, um, I'll check the comments and if anyone has any questions, I'll definitely lead them in your direction because there's so many amazing things that you offer and so many beautiful, um, like you said, jewelry, decks, and I'd love anyone who's interested to um, be able to find you. And if they have any questions, I'll lead them your way. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, you're so welcome. It was so fun having you, so fun. I love talking to you all the time, whether we're doing this or just, me together, too. Out, so. Me too. Because you know we're going to have another one. We're gonna, we need another episode for everything because there's so much we could cover. All right, my dear. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on this episode of Real Talk. And for those of you watching the replay, don't hesitate to make comments and because I will definitely keep checking them. I'm sure Lisa will check them too. And if you have any questions, we will get to them. All right. Have a wonderful day, guys. Take care. love. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. I'd like to show you my appreciation by gifting you a free forgiveness self-hypnosis audio download. Part of living the fun and fabulous life is practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness can be such a long and challenging process. My intention is that this forgiveness audio will help you in practicing forgiveness, especially with yourself. Grab it by visiting daretoachieve.com backslash forgiveness. For more inspiring tips, make sure to connect with me on social media. Drop me a line on Facebook or Instagram at Grace Redmond Dare to Achieve. Until next time, keep moving forward towards living your fabulous life.